Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. It's your club and this is your show. The title race entirely in City's hands. A ding-dong match against the team hot on their heels. Chances missed and nerves shredded. Tactical fouling, a brawl on the pitch, trouble in the tunnel, progress in the Champions League and Jack Grealish on the wind-up. Nothing like a quiet week to kick us off for today's Blue Moon podcast. In all honesty, walking out the Etihad on Sunday, I was expecting this episode to be focusing more on the game with Liverpool than the one with Atletico Madrid, but here we are. City have made their second successive European semi-final, but not without picking up a few bruises along the way. What a memorable way to mark their 100 Champions League game. On top of that, the week doesn't get much easier. It's Liverpool again next, this time in the FA Cup at Wembley, and City could well be the walking wounded taken to the field on Saturday afternoon. We're not forgetting the match with Brighton on the horizon too. So let's get into it all. I'm David Mooney. With me this week is City fan Howard Hawking. Hello. And I'm also joined by the senior content creator at Sporting News, Dom Farrell. Hello, mate. I've got to stop giving you my job titles. They all sound awful. I was going to say, Dom, <laughs> you like you don't you move from one job to another, and yet here we are, still with me spouting gobbledygook. I think we just say from the Sporting News. Right? It's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Let's, right, let, yeah. Let's anyway, do yeah. How are we all do doing? That. I'm I'm feeling I, I well it's 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 been a week hasn't it it's been a week uh, how, how I, I, you've got COVID as well so how are you uh, yeah I've been better but I'll be honest for two hours on uh, uh, the other night Atletico Madrid match I did forget I had COVID so. yeah good game <laughs> so, of football so stressed out just watching a football match instead so yeah so uh, first things first then um, Don what did City do to wind up Atletico so much other than win the game um. They, they refuse to get wound up, I think, is, is a big part of it. Um, and, I mean, it does always make me laugh at these things when the commentary, there's a, there's a tendency, and maybe it's different countries as happens as well, but I'm only familiar with British television commentary. It gets very, very pole-faced around the thing of, well, <laughs> this is disgraceful. This is not the sort of thing we want to see. When we spent a week hearing that City and Liverpool isn't a great rivalry because no one's launched a pizza at anyone, it's like, this is what you want to see really, you know, on some level. The people that say this isn't what we want to see. Was, so, that, was it? Was it a pizza that was thrown in the tunnel? There was something thrown in the tunnel that I couldn't see what it was. Oh, last night. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. Um, I, tapas, I, just, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, well, tapas is probably easier to throw than pizza. Probably get a bit more, <laughs> bit more purchase on like the uh, on the meatballs and the sauce. Patatas bravas all over the shop. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was so. Yeah. City basically didn't really rise to it. I think Fernandinho coming on and managing to get one of them booked immediately and kind of knowing what the whole vibe was. <laughs> that was kind of important. And let's be honest, Felipe deserves sending off for his third very yellow card offence on, on Foden. But Foden does roll back onto the pitch to kind of cause the aggro, at which point Stefan Savic, who um, I don't think any of us 10 years ago thought this is how Stefan Savic is going to turn out, um, sort of like his mutant cousin. Um, yeah, so a little bit of City never rose to it. And... Foden kind of knew in that whole melee. I think Foden 
knew a little bit of what he was doing. And we saw the little bit afterwards where Simeone was doing his maniacal thing on the touchline and Foden sort of walking past him laughing. So, yeah, um, I think the BT's thing of poor old, good old City behaving themselves by these nasty big boys underplays a little bit how I think City kind of beat them at their own game a little yeah. bit in terms of the wind-up stuff. I was going to say, Howard, it's kind of like I, I think that the vibe I was getting from non-City fans uh, over over Wednesday evening and Thursday morning was um, good riddance to Atletico, you know, systemic fouling, dirty tactics. Nobody misses any, anything in that. Um, but I thought it was very, very cute of City to kind of let Atletico beat themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think Atletico wanted the situation. That's why I think Phil Foden did them a favour. They wanted that last ten minutes sort of chaos, uh, or maybe not because they were playing well second half. So it's all it was all so strange. The thing is, before the first leg, I went City have to play them at their own game, or we could go out here because they're so good at this this sort of thing. But we didn't need to in the first leg because they didn't even come into our half, so or touch the ball, and we didn't in the first half of the second leg because we had it in control. And it's only when it became more chaotic, the match, and they started pulling forward that City, yeah, the City players started playing the game. And I've thought this for a decade, but I don't like the game, I should say that very clearly. But I think in the, certainly in the early days of the, our Champions League campaigns, we were so naive. Yeah, it's yeah. just so naive. Teams just played us like a fiddle so many times. If we want to win the competition, you have to you have to play the game. And they did it brilliantly, just like Fernandinho down at the end. Players always roll back onto the pitch and it is annoying. And that's the point. And yes, it worked. It, the last the I mean, it's still a chance right at the end, but the the game just became so chaotic that we kind of forgot about the football and they needed a goal. So restraint from the city players and yeah, just Play them at their own game. They absolutely did, hated it, didn't they? And look at the state of them at the end. It was, I'm afraid, as a neutral, yeah, you'd be like, oh, yes, I love this. This is better than a boring nil nil. But deep down, it was pretty pathetic behaviour from Atletico. Yeah. Um, the, you both mentioned the tackle on uh, Foden, the, uh, the the one that eventually got Felipe sent off. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, lads. I, like, like, Dom, I genuinely, when I saw that happen, I thought that is an, like, it's an utter disgrace. Like, he, like the the tackle itself, perfectly fine, but then he's just he's just swiped at him. Yeah, it, it's it's such a weird thing to do, isn't it? When you when you're on a yellow card and you've um, I, I, it did make me chuckle when um when Felipe did get booked and Koke ran up to the ref, Atletico's captain, going doing the old it's his first one. It's like Phil Foden is there <laughs> looking like Mister Bump. It's like it's evidently not his first one. So um, yeah. Just I mean, that, that, to... that first one as well, the, the one where he, he came through the back of him, like, I was like, genuinely, he's lucky to stay on the pitch for that. Yeah. That's a red card, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's very unusual that sort of, like you say, the tackle itself was like, he might have been a bit late, but like he sort of went out of his way to get studs into Foden's ankle. It's, um, yeah, and it's, it's interesting because that sort of challenge, that is, I would say having... I'm I'm definitely not part of the Goodrins or Atletico community. I've got to say, over the last ten years, for all their sort of you know, some of it isn't great. But I, the Champions League is so repetitive with the same sort of cast of characters every year. They are sort of like the brilliant supervillain in this kind of repeating drama. And they, when they drag teams like 
Liverpool and United to places they don't want to go and beat them. And they own them, but they've gone blow for blow with this era of Barcelona and Real Madrid over the past decade. I find that compelling. But part of why that works is they drag opponents into doing what Felipe did. And I just think it's massive, massive credit to City that Atletico Madrid ended up behaving like they would want their opponents to. Um, yeah, it, Felipe was... I think there's a, there's a thing that you've... I mean, I'm trying to get inside the head of what on earth a Diego Simeone dressing room must be like now. But I think you've kind of got to control your menace. And Felipe... And I think you know, Savic was a little, little bit of that all the way through. I just think Felipe wasn't really in control all night. Like, so like you say, the first challenge could feasibly have been a red card. And he then does to, you know... You could even argue the last yellow card is... I, th- I, think in- the, I think the last one should be a straight red as well. Yeah, I'm not going to say orange card because yeah. that's a cop-out everyone says nowadays and it doesn't exist, there is no such thing. Uh, but yeah, so, he, so he's committed three bookable offences, two of which could arguably be in reds. I mean, what a night at the office from, from the last <laughs> Incredible. And then Savage as well, Howard. Um, like, uh, how how has he stayed on the pitch? First off, the the dragging Foden off the pitch. Um, like, I I'm not I'm not going to get overly upset about that. I mean, it's I don't think it's I don't think it looks good. But I'm like it, like we've talked about. Foden's rolled back onto the pitch. He knows what he's doing. I understand why he's got wound up by that. But he's thrown a headbutt in there as well. Well, that's what, I mean. Yeah, I think yellow for dragging the Foden off the pitch probably fair, maybe. Uh, but as it instigates a huge pylon, you could say that's a red in itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, I guess it's not been seen by the referee who basically everything led from him. Yeah, you know, everything resulted from him not having a control on, on the game and not punishing Philippe for that very first challenge on Foden. And this was the consequence of it all. You would assume there's this thing called a video referee, I've heard, <laughs> that looks at these sort of things and didn't <laughs> but I guess when you've got 22 man ball and the bench is in there as well maybe they just wanted to finish the match I yeah, get, get out of here we're, we're, we all want to get home before midnight lads come on <laughs> yeah, on, yeah on the ref do you not think there's an because we, we think of refs as sort of or we like them to be sort of like emotionless amortotrons amort- it's too early for me to try and use long words um, <laughs> sort of like you know they, they, they're not we don't think of refs as sort of having emotional involvement in a game because that's not desirable. But I think part of Atletico's whole thing is if you're the referee, referee Atletico Madrid in a Champions League knockout game, you think it, the same way that, say, for example, Joao Cancelo might have thought last weekend, oh, God, I'm marking Mohamed Salah. A ref might think, oh, God, I'm refing Atletico Madrid. And that's part of what they want. The, 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 they probably have referees going in, second-guessing of like, can I give a yellow this early? When obviously the answer is yeah on Felipe. Yeah. But he doesn't. And then the ref loses control. And that lack of control is where they want the game to exist. So I think it's... Because I think a lot of the complaints about the ref last night were similar to the complaints about the ref in the game the Etihad. Admittedly, the game the Etihad didn't explode into a sort of rolling brawl. But um, I, think that's part, I think that's part of what they bring to the party and all their sort of... Yeah, they're, they're, it's another one of their supervillain qualities. Yeah, um, let's talk on the defense because Howard, um, it was like it was tough circumstances on Wednesday night, um, and like uh, all of them, Stones um, particularly stood up well to it. But I thought Ake was 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 great when he came on. Laporte also excellent. I thought. Yeah. Oh, Ake was brilliant. Yeah, I think he made 
five clearances in the 17 minutes on the pitch, which is more than everyone else, even though he was on the pitch for 17 minutes. I don't know if that 17 minutes includes a 10-minute brawl. I assume that's 17 <laughs> minutes of on match. Who was he clearing um, during that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> into the stands, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yes, and well, yes, I thought packs of the world want it. They don't have to do that very often. That's the thing. It's like they're so used to a very different type of scenario that they stood up to be counted. I don't think they were protected very well. There's pl- the chances Atletico had in the second half does, you know, it, it worried me greatly at the time. And you could say that's part of the defensive performance that we allowed them to have chances. But I think you can blame the midfield on that more for letting Atletico find a way into our penalty area so easily. But there was the block from Stones. Uh, there was, yeah, just just great, pure defending, basic defending. That Old school not, defending. Yeah, yeah, that they're not used to doing week in, week out. And Stones, especially for being man of the match, I think, they came out, our defence came out of that with a lot of credit at the end, even if... In some ways, it was our worst defensive performance because we allowed chances for the opposition. Yeah, Dom, the, uh, the the funny thing is, I had a look at the BBC's uh, match reports uh, earlier on. Uh, Nathan Ake has been voted man of the match. He played 17 minutes. <laughs> like it's, one of, yeah. it's, one of, it's one of those, the audience votes on man of the match, and everyone went, well, Ake was fantastic. Is that like this thing that, um, who was it, one of the Super League cretins? Uh, was it uh, Agnelli from Juventus was on about sort of, only selling the rights to the last 15 or 20 minutes of matches because that's what people want to watch. <laughs> Maybe it's true and everyone's gone, this guy, Nathan Ake, look, look, must, must, look have, at... must have had a stormer all game. Yeah, he only, he only yeah, actually came um, on two minutes before we all started watching. He's a, so he's, he, he's the um, the defender for the TikTok age or something. Yeah, Ake is brilliant. And I think in this whole period of games that now City are three quarters of the way through the Atletico and Liverpool double headers. Um, I saw a lot of talk online about things that there's going to be a weird team selection at some point, which probably there hasn't been. Um, Roll on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think we can probably allow him that, can't we? Um, and a lot of people are going, oh, Nathan Ake is going to start a game and all the rest of it. But he started the first leg. He was exemplary. He was fantastic last night. With He came on with the games probably at its most chaotic. Um, I think we talk a lot about players who, under Guardiola, um, and Grealish is now part of this conversation, but people like Rodri and Cancelo, uh, even Bernardo, people who like in their second season, the Guardiola kind of get it a bit more and they play really well. And we think about that in terms of sort of creativity, that side of the team. Um, I think Ake, after a really, really difficult first season when he was injured, it was obviously the lockdown season as well. Um, I think he's another example of that. I, I, I can I struggle to think of him putting much of a foot wrong uh, certainly over the last six months or so, whenever he's been called upon. Um, and yeah, he was he was fantastic when he came on last night. Yeah. Um, let's flip the attention to um, the Premier League because, um, I mean, it, it, it's after kind of the chaos of the of the Champions League game, it'd be very easy to focus on that. But we shouldn't also forget that uh, the title race is now only in City's hands. Um, they remain a point ahead. Um, Howard, how are you feeling about it all? <laughs> it's such conflicting feelings coming out off the match on Sunday because I thought we were far more dominant than I possibly could have imagined. I went into the game thinking this is a pure 50-50 match. There's going to be it's going to be a great match. No way this is a boring draw. There's going to be chances. I fear they'll be more clinical, but I expect it to be a very even match. 
And we absolutely battered them. We absolutely battered them, but we didn't win. And so I came out feeling better in a way because we made a point in a way. And it re- reassured me, reinforced my belief that we don't have some inferiority complex when we play Liverpool directly now. Yeah. You know, like three years ago, like playing in the Champions League, it's like, oh, no, 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 please no. Or or playing at Anfield or something like that. Now I know we're not just the equal of them, we're the better side. But it was a bit of a missed opportunity. So, had done heart, we are the favourites because there's no point delving into the fixture list because at the end of the season, strange things happen. And if we're now both in the Champions League semi-final and one of us have been in an FA Cup final, that is going to make, yeah, it's going to be some strange team selections. Surely, I think both teams drop points as well at some point in the rest of the season. But we are still top, and that's all that matters. So we've got two home games coming up. My only focus regarding the title race is just focus on that and win the next two games. Yeah. Um, Dom, after the game, Guardiola said this. I had a feeling that uh, uh, we missed the opportunity, you know, to, to beat them. A feeling that we leave them alive. But uh, heads up, I said to the team after the game, so I don't want one second side. So, so glad and happy the, the way we played. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Uh, do you agree? Because um, it, it feels like going into that game, many of us would have taken a point. But after the game, the way it unfolded, we all kind of went, ah, missed chance that, isn't it? Um, I agree with both parts of the clip, actually. That undoubtedly, yeah, that the, we left them alive was obviously the big quote. Um, all of us went with. Um, it's undoubtedly true. Um, City lead the game twice. There are a few good chances culminating in the Rio Mara's one at the end where, I mean, you wouldn't want that chance to fall to any other City player, probably. You're, you're top scorer this season, really short touch, really good finisher. He also has Foden in oceans of space outside him. Yeah, that... If City don't win the league, that is going to be the moment that is going to haunt people. But, like you said, like Guardiola said, City shouldn't be sad over all that performance. I mean, that was twice this season they've drawn with them, but twice they've been, I think, fairly clearly the better team. Probably more so the weekend than Anfield, but I think both times. I think that's now, in the last nine meetings between the teams, Liverpool have won one. Um, And yes, some of those are behind closed doors games, one of those is a community shield, but it adds up into a body of work. I think what the weekend shows is this, the big fear that City have around Liverpool and probably still have around Liverpool going into this weekend, all stems from those 2018 games at Anfield that were brutal, but City just handle them in one-off games much, much better. Now that, you you can put asterisks next to some of those games, some of those previous nine fixtures, but Liverpool have won one of them. And I think... That we all look for things like, you know, and we'll talk about this in a minute, previewing the weekend. Last night, is that better for Liverpool or City? City got injuries, Liverpool rested players. Is it better to dominate the game? Is it better to escape with a point? There's it's so close that basically however it however this ends up, you can come you you'll be able to do you sort of confirm your own suspicions about oh well, I told you it was gonna happen that way. Yeah. It's on a knife edge. But I think City are in this rivalry, if I can call it that, City are in a much better position than they were, say, three or four years ago. There's, there's nothing to fear about Liverpool in one-off games and to, there's no reason to feel any way inferior to them. They're two wonderful teams, but I think the two league games this season show that City are the better team. So 
and the better team over 38 games normally comes out on top. So I think that's what they've got to take from it. Howard, the, the first half especially um, should offer kind of like, it should convince people that, that City have the fight for this title, don't they? Um, but I mean, on, on top of that, even, like even take the second half, Liverpool might have come back into it a bit more, but City still created the better chances. I just wonder if, if the game kind of personifies that uh, that the, the, the two clubs' situations right now. City create and create and create, but find it really difficult to score. Liverpool mm. can just pull a goal out of nowhere sometimes. Well, yeah, I mean, imagine that game against Liverpool with a striker on the pitch. Yeah, don't want to mention that word again because <laughs> it is what it is. There was That was my feeling going into the match that I think we'll create more. We're a better side generally, but they've obviously got more clinical fin- finishers right now. Though it doesn't have to be that way because you've got people like Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Phil Foden. These are players that can put the ball in there and Mahrez with over 20 goals this season. Then, it's yeah, it's not just about getting a striker in because obviously strikers can miss chances anyway and go through bad form. So, we we have been wasteful, but we've still scored a bucket full of goals over the season as we always do. So, But I do think it's both, that second half was telling in another way in that I think the City of Old might have folded after Liverpool came out strong and scored straight away. Maybe, you know, in the past, might have folded with that little spell. But then City took control again. And I think that shows that this is a very different side. Might, well, I mean, there was great sides two or three years ago, but I still think the mentality side of things, I think it has, we have pushed on and improved on that in that respect. And certainly against Liverpool, domestically and in Europe, as we've seen, I just think uh, the mentality side is just very different at the moment. It's a very together bunch. And it's a bunch of players that have absolute belief in their own abilities. Yeah, speaking of a different mentality and someone who's got belief in his own abilities, um, here's Guardiola speaking ahead of the Atletico game uh, this week about that moment where Edison uh, just decided to give everybody inside the Etihad a bit of a heart attack. It's crazy. No, this guy is crazy, honestly. Sometimes I think if he doesn't feel something, it's top for for me for a keeper. It's top to to have that feeling. In that moment, I thought could not be as closer as after I saw the image on uh, on TV on the in the frame and uh, on this paper on the TV is one inch to the goal, and it doesn't matter. It's uh, it's so good because it's always stable. Doesn't feel the pressure. And uh, he forget the, the most important thing in football. And Eddie is a big example. Is you have to forget the previous action as quick as possible, good or bad. And he forget immediately. The safe is calm, thinking next one mistake that he does feel, just in case it happen. Next action is ready. Is ready to the next one. Please support the show by becoming a backer. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Howard, what were you feeling when uh, Diogo Jota was closing down on Edison? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think I can use the words to be honest on this show <laughs> think of some alternative words I mean at the time I'm not finding it remotely funny to be honest uh, I, it was deliberate del- from him He's goalke- as you know <laughs> David, goalkeepers are a different beast altogether aren't they so you have to have a different mentality you have to be a bit crazy and think differently and Edison's just prime example of someone who's just <laughs> I don't know he, uh, ice cold 
all the time, just doesn't seem to suffer from stress or panic at any point. He was in, in total control in a way, but oh my god, <laughs> you don't want to, uh, things that happen on that goal line at that end of the stadium, honestly, have taken years <laughs> off my life. So, uh, Next time, I'd just rather you kicked it out, yeah. <laughs> out, for, out of touch, please. Uh, just do, do me a favour. But, you know, eventually, you know, every now and then, he gets, he pays for it, he makes a silly mistake, he has brain fart, and we pay for it. But what he does and how he plays and how he operates is so beneficial in many other ways that you just have to take the occasional scare like that. It's just part of the package. Yeah. Dom, I did enjoy uh, Guardiola basically calling him a goldfish. Just no, no, absolutely no short-term memory. Well, it's a goldfish. Or it's a, I mean, he's a mad robot, isn't he? I mean, there's, there's just the, the sort of the lack of human emotion in what's the normal human emotion in what he's done there. What, what, what like, is this thing you call fear, human? Yeah, it's like there'll be a trophy lift that's sitting sometime in the coming years where he'll just remove his face and reveal he is like just <laughs> wires and light, flashing lights and stuff. Um, because <laughs> the actual pass he plays at the end, it's. It's as if the goal line doesn't exist. It's like, oh, it's, uh, it's all right. I've I've misused this a bit, but I can just stroke. It's like your goal, your net's there. What you know? Remember, <laughs> do you remember when um, when Buffon went a bit mad towards the end of his career and like wrote a uh, a romantic poem to his goalposts, like properly <laughs> ridiculous? I, I have no memory of this. This right, I, 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 you mustn't have got the goalkeeping union memo then. <laughs> um, Edison's the absolute opposite of that because far from like being sort of feeling a sense of duty towards his goalpost, whatever Buffon was on about. It's like he's not aware it exists. He's just sort of having a lark about on the grass. And yeah, he's in the nicest possible way. He's completely unhinged, isn't he? <laughs> he's got no pulse. Yeah. Um, another thing that happened ahead of the Atletico game, Fernandinho was asked a few questions about his future. Um, I've chopped that bit of the press conference uh, into a highlights package together. So uh, here's what happened. Would you like to extend your stay as a player here another year, maybe? I don't think so. Is that because you want to continue playing regularly first-team football? Or yes. Is there an open for a coaching role? Yes, I want to play. Would you, be, would you like to go back to Brazil by you finish your career? And yes, I, I will go back to Brazil for sure, yeah. Has this been formally decided with the football club that you will be leaving? I, deci- I, deci- I decided with my family, so it's the most important for me. And obviously most of uh, some people of the club already know it. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. And then after that, Guardiola was asked about it too because he did the press conference straight afterwards. Um, this question came from Simon Bykowski at the uh, Evening News. Fernandinho has said that he's leaving at the end of the season. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know it. <laughs> is, that, is that news to you? Uh, Simon, you gave me the news. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I didn't know it, so... We will see what happens in the end of the season. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. So Fernandinho's... <laughs> also made that so important for me. And it's coming the nice period and we'll see what happens. But anyway, I will talk to him. I will say, Simon told me this. Is it true? <laughs> You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Facebook.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. There we have it. Um, Guardiola didn't know. Uh, Dom, what do you make of all that? I mean, the, the first things first, Fernandinho sounds like he's he's really pissed off, but I just wonder if that player on media duties doesn't really want to do it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, he. I think Fernandinho does sound pissed off, but he kind of always does. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, he, what I'm saying, I wouldn't read too much into it, yeah. No, 
having said all that, I did think it was a bit off. I mean, obviously, we're talking about a guy who is a modern City great, who has been one of the great defensive midfielders of the Premier League era, a player I have absolute bucket loads of time for. I think he's wonderful. But I remember last season when there was all the thing about in the middle of, so I think it was around January time, Fernandinho called a meeting, got banged their heads together, sorted things out, was the great leader. That's good. And you have praise for that. I'm not sure coming into your presser in a bit of a sulk and going, oh, I'm going to leave before a big Champions League game is necessarily one you file under great leadership. I thought it, I thought he did seem a bit petulant and a bit moody, but it doesn't really matter, does it? I, I think I think Guardiola's very relaxed, giggly reaction to Simon probably tells you all you need to know. I, I think the fact that every single question about a player's future, whether it's a transfer or a contract, and Guardiola goes, oh, ask Cheeky, as if he hasn't heard everything off his best mate, Cheeky Biggerstein, anyway. <laughs> um, I think he, he does have this sort of, fairly defined separation between, right, we're doing football games now and I'll be doing contracts at the end of the year and that's, I don't care. I think that actually is true. So, I mean, I think there are there would be other managers who'd walk into that press conference and wouldn't be giggling at what Sai had to say to him. But, um, yeah, I thought it was a bit off. It wasn't very becoming, but it probably, like, you know, unfortunately, a journalist said this now, like most things in the press conference, probably doesn't really matter. <laughs> Yeah, um, Howard. I, 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 it's a surprise um, that uh, that is off. And I, I mean, do, do you think he should have told Guardiola before all this, made him aware that this might have happened, or is it? Are we <laughs> kind of looking at storming teacup territory? Here? Well, both. <laughs> it's a storm. It's not a major. It's not a major incident at, at all. But yeah, I find it a bit weird sometimes that they don't talk about these things anyway. I mean, on the pitch, training every day together, he knows he's up contracts. Uh, look, it, let's be honest, time's caught up with Fernandinho and we can't offer him another year as a player. Uh, I, I fully agree. You know, I'm sorry, you can't you can't go on sentiment. He's, I don't know, it's his birth. We share a birthday, so I know it's his birthday. He's another year older or another day <laughs> older, however you want to look at it, in three weeks' time. So... Oh, you know, the day of the second leg of the semi-final. So his playing career is up at City. I What I wanted was him to perhaps remain in some other capacity at the club. But again, I don't know what he wants. He might not want to be a coach. He might not be a very good coach. So it is what it is. Yeah, better communication would have been preferable. I do wonder speculation. Just speculating is, did he sign the one-year contract last year with the promise of more playing time that he's got, is he a bit a bit upset at the amount of time he's had this season? Did that come out in the spur of the moment? But whatever, he's got about the right amount of playing time for someone of his age who's at the end of his career. And yeah, it's a shame if they haven't been talking, but to be honest, it's, it's a minor issue in the scheme of things. So. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, obviously he came on against uh, Atletico, and as Dom said, uh, caused uh, caused havoc with his uh, first action. So who can uh, who can have a bad word <laughs> to say? Um, speaking of Atletico, Manchester City, the only English ever presence in the Champions League since 2011, the year that the club first qualified for the competition. This week's match with Madrid, just over a decade on from then, was City's 100th. Well, 102nd actually, but we'll explain more about that shortly. I've been reflecting on the milestones in City's century. 
It was September 2011. Ed Sheeran's first album, Plus, had been out for five days and he had yet to have a UK number one single. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, the final film in that franchise, was in the cinemas. The iPhone 4 was the latest model available. The video game Minecraft was still a couple of months away from being released and City were playing their first match in the Champions League. Before the game we were uh, so nervous because it was the first, uh, probably all the players uh, wanted to win this game, maybe wanted to score all the players. And uh, instead I think that if we play easy, simple, uh, we can play better. We can play better. But uh, if I think that was the first game, I enjoyed. I think that uh, all the players played 100% against Naples, that is a good thing. That was the city manager at the time, Roberto Mancini. He was speaking after a one-all draw with Napoli, where his side had to come from a goal down late on to earn a point. Alexander Kolarov scored the equaliser, City's first Champions League goal. I'm happy for goal, but I'm not here because we didn't win. But I, I think that it's important that we, we didn't lose the game because it's first game and Napoli was was really good team, the typical Italian Italian team that we told all team they, they defend but we want to win but it's, it's good that we didn't lose the game. The first Champions League victory came in the third game as Sergio Aguero scored in the final minutes against Villarreal. Pablo Zabaleta spoke to City TV. Sometimes you win games like this, you know, if, uh, you have to you have to be positive until yes until last minute because you never you never know and today we saw that uh, we had chances to score, maybe before the goal, but um, well, the goal just came in the last minute, so it was a great win for us. City were unlucky not to qualify from the group stage in that first season, finishing on 10 points. The following season, though, went far worse, and City broke an unwanted record. With three draws and three defeats, they became the first English team not to win a single group game. Mancini was downbeat after the final match, a 1-0 loss at Borussia Dortmund. We had a difficult group. I think lost there last year, but uh, we had also a good team and we did only three points. I think that this is, uh, this is not good for us. That was Mancini's final Champions League game for City. The next season, with Manuel Pellegrini now the manager, the club qualified for the knockout phase for the first time. They faced Barcelona. It's a good test. It's important. I don't think that's the most important thing because we are just in the round of 16. I think that we have a, so far a good season. We must finish in the, in the same way. And one of our targets, of course, is to try to continue in Champions League, knowing that we play against uh, maybe the most important team of the world. City were comfortably outplayed and went out 4-1 on aggregate. The game saw City's first red card in the competition too, with Martin Di Michelis sent off in the first leg. The decision left Pellegrini fuming. Well, I think that the referee decided the game before the penalty was fouled from Navas when he was three metres from the play, so he saw it within any, without any problem. But from the beginning, I felt that the referee was not impartial to, to both teams. So he decided the game. A penalty of Martin Di Michelis that was not a penalty was outside the box. So playing 40 minutes without with one player less is very difficult against Barcelona. It was a bit of a disappointing end to that season's Champions League run since the performance in the group phase was brilliant. It had seen City's first ever hat-trick in the competition, Alvaro Negredo netting three times in a 5-2 win over CSKA Moscow. And City were only one goal short of topping the table as they beat Bayern Munich 3-2 in the Allianz Arena. 
After the CSKA game, Samir Nasri said the squad were feeling good. We're really pleased. A lot of chances. Uh, now in two games we, uh, we scored 12 goals, so everyone is really happy. Uh, we did what we wanted uh, at the start of the game. We wanted to win, to go through and uh, to, to be qualified two games be before the end of the group stage. City fell at the same hurdle the next season in the round of 16, but they would go further in Pellegrini's final crack at the competition. They went on to win the group for the first time, having qualified with a 3-1 victory at Sevilla on match day four. Wilfred Bonny scored the third that night. Very good performance for the team. We were coming here to win. Uh, I say 10 goals then we won today. So for us it was very important for the performance of the team and to get confidence for the next game. So we are first on the table now. We just have to continue like that and try to, to secure the, the 100% road for the, for the next round. They then got past the round of 16 for the first time, beating Dinamo Kiev, setting up a first ever Champions League quarter final. It was with PSG and City won 3 2 on aggregate. A great achievement for the club that maybe we couldn't do it uh, seasons before because we play against Barcelona in, in the round of 16. But I think that we play with a lot of intensity. We didn't allow them to be near our box with dangers. And after that, when we had the ball, they felt from the beginning that we were trying to score and we are not happy just to have the draw nil to nil because with that result we scored. City's first ever semi-final though ended in disappointment. The whole 180 minutes against Real Madrid came down to one goal, a deflected Gareth Bale effort in the second leg. Joe Hart was disappointed not to have made the final. Not a lot we can take from tonight but the um, Champions League this year we've, we've grown, we've, um, we've shown some good moments and I'm going to have to take that into next year. You know, it's obviously not a proud moment losing the semi-final when, you know, we'd like to think we could have done a lot better tonight, but we didn't and uh, we're out. The league campaign in 2016 didn't go as well as hoped and a fourth place finish meant they had to enter the Champions League qualifying phase for the first time the next season. However, UEFA don't count these as matches in their competition, so that's why Wednesday's tie with Atletico Madrid was City's 100th and not their 102nd. Anyway, City overcame Stour Bucharest to get through to the groups, where they beat Barcelona for the first time in their sixth attempt. It finished 3-1, but the new manager Pep Guardiola wasn't getting too far ahead of himself. Maybe today is a good step to say once in our lives we play against the best team and we compete against them. Maybe in a different way, we play more long balls, more front and balls, because in the other way, still now we are not ready to, to keep them on the ball and to play like one. We are not ready, because they are 25 years old playing in that way, we are three or four months trying to play in a different way. But that season felt like one step forward and two back. They were out in the round of 16 again, this time to Monaco. From there though, there was progress of sorts, as Guardiola brought some consistency, especially in the early stages of the competition. City have now won their group five times in a row, however they went on a run of going out in the quarter-finals. First it was Liverpool in 2018, then it was Spurs in 2019 and then it was Lyon in 2020. Kevin De Bruyne was getting tired of it and you could sense City was stalling in the competition. Different year, same stuff. Um, I think first half wasn't good enough, uh, I think we know that, we started slow, uh, we had not many options, but I think second half we played really really well, we come back 1-1, we had a couple of chances, and then uh, obviously uh, yeah, the 2-1 and the 3-1 uh, ends the game, and uh, yeah, it's a shame for us to, to go in that way. But City came back stronger, they won the group again and then went on to beat Borussia Mönchengladbach without any fuss in the round of 16. 
A tricky double-header with Borussia Dortmund and another with PSG were then well negotiated, 4-2 and 4-1 on aggregate, setting up a first-ever Champions League final. Unfortunately, we all know what happened next. It was an exceptional, exceptional season for us. Uh, it's a dream uh, being here. Unfortunately, we could not win. It's the first time for most of us in this club. And we tried, we could not do it, and worked to come back one day. After getting past Atletico Madrid this week, Guardiola and City fans will be hoping that this is the season where they can go one better and make 2022 the year that the club lifts its first ever Champions League trophy. It's pretty much the only first in the competition that they're still yet to do. I'm Clyde Tilsley. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, Barmy and I, Barcelona, all that. Yeah, that Clyde Tilsley. Um, you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Enjoy. You see stats pop up all the time about clubs and players, and you want to know that exact thing about City. There's an answer. Statcity.co.uk. Want to find out all of the players who played alongside club legends like David Silva, Sergio Aguero or Vincent Company? Or maybe you'd like to know which team found it hardest to score past Joe Hart. You can find out City's record in every competition, at every stadium and under every manager. Just go to statcity.co.uk and browse away. That's statcity.co.uk. Please give us your backing. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. That was a look at City's first 100 games in the Champions League. Um, it's it's been a wild kind of uh, journey, Don, for, for for City over the Champions League. I've got uh, I've got a load of stats that kind of go with it. I don't know if um, I, I don't know if these are interesting or useful, but I'm going to give them anyway because I've done the research. Soon um, out. Yeah, it's uh, 56% <laughs> of the games won, 56 out of 100, uh, 27% lost, uh, 27 out of 100. The first win, obviously Villarreal. Uh, biggest win was uh, came on on the uh, 66th game. That was Schalke. Uh, 7-0 victory there. First clean sheet was uh, game four, Villarreal. Uh, the longest winning streak, it's only actually seven games, um, but it's uh, it's game 83 to game 89. Uh, longest losing streak was, uh, do you remember that do you remember that period where City uh, beat Basel and then uh, lost both legs to Liverpool and then yeah. lost to Lyon in the first group? So it actually stretches over um, a couple of knockout games and a season, but game 56 to 59 was, uh, was the longest uh, losing run. Uh, unsurprisingly, Guardiola has managed the most and he's got the best win uh, record in the, uh, in the competition, 139. Um, do you know what country they've been to the most, uh, Dom? Um, it's going to be Spain or Germany, isn't it? It is Germany. They've uh, they faced really? yeah they faced German opposition twenty two times. Um, they sp- faced Spanish uh, opposition eighteen times, French thirteen, uh, Italy ten. Uh, Ukraine's <laughs> actually quite high up on the on the list with eight. I've just waited to make the, that joke then. Yeah. <laughs> it's Donetsk of uh, 17 or something. So. Yeah. And it's uh, it's English teams along with Spanish teams that have knocked them out the most uh, in the knockout oh, phase. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, there we have it. Um, so, some uh, some facts about the, uh, the Champions League there. Uh, one thing we do need to do before we move on it's a quiz uh. on City's <laughs> 100 games in the Champions League. Come on, you must have seen this coming. Um, no. 
There we have say, it. I haven't I barely slept in the last week, so at least I've got an excuse this time. <laughs> well, I've made it easier for you, Howard, this time, because uh, of the nature <laughs> of the questions. you me the answers. Not quite, <laughs> uh, but because of the nature of the questions, it's multiple choice these days. Oh, good. good. So uh, you do have an option. Uh, Howard, as, the, as uh, the one who isn't feeling too good, I'm going to let you decide. Would you like to go first or second? Oh, God, it's like a title race. Do you want first or second? <laughs> I'll, I'll go first. Okay, pick a number one to six. Uh, six. Number six, okay. Uh, which team of City played the most in the Champions League but failed to beat? Is it A, Juventus, B, Ajax, or C, Lyon? I'm sure I've heard this question before somewhere. What was the second choice? Uh, it was Juventus, Ajax, or Lyon. Ajax. How many times have we played? Go on, I'll go Juventus. Uh, it's not Juventus. Uh, Juventus, they've uh, played and uh, drawn with twice. Uh, so they've played and lost two twice. Uh, Ajax, they've played and drawn with twice. Uh, Leon, they've played three times, never beaten them. Okay. Uh, Dom, pick a number. Number five, please. Uh, number five. Who has the fewest minutes of anyone who's played for City in the Champions League? Is it A, Scott Carson, B, Tommy Doyle, or C, James McAtee? Um... I'm trying to think of Doyle or McAtee played at all. Um... They have all played. I'm not. I've not thrown a red oh, herring right. in there oh, yeah, with, I, with I, any I, that I, haven't I, played. I thought there were red herrings uh, getting to work. Uh, Tommy Doyle. Uh, it is Tommy Doyle. Uh, Scott Carson, 17 minutes. James McAtee played a full half against uh, Sporting, so he played 45 minutes. But Tommy Doyle just made the four minutes. So uh, one nil. Howard, what are you going for? Uh, three, please. Number three. Okay, which country did City visit for the first time in the Champions League the most recently? Is it A, Belgium, B, Greece, or C, Portugal? Oh, God. Uh, just on Portugal, by the way, we're not counting the uh, neutral pandemic season where they uh, all played in Portugal. That is actually facing Portuguese opposition in Portugal. Uh, uh, Greece. Ah, it's not. They went to Olympiacos last <laughs> season. Uh, they went to Porto last season for the first time, but they played Bruges for the first time this season, which is uh, the first trip to Belgium in the Champions League. You, so, You know what I've just done? I've just thought of a Dutch team and put them in as Belgium, and that's oh not gone dear. for Bruges for that reason. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. That is, um, that is, that's a new low for me, to be honest. You are not oh, well. We'll give you that. <laughs> that when you know friends in that part of the world. Yeah. Well, I'm well aware of the difference in the countries. I don't know why I did it. So, it's when I, pa- I panic in quizzes. It's just the way it is. So. Okay, Dom, you could win it here. One, two or four? Number one, please. Number one. Okay, uh, which player has the best minutes per goal ratio for City in the Champions League? Is it Sergio Aguero, Mario Balotelli or Cole Palmer? Um... I think it might be Cole Palmer because he scored against uh, that famous Dutch team Bruges the other day. <laughs> um, um, Palmer. What are, are you going for Palmer? Yeah. It is Cole Palmer. One goal every 47 minutes. Uh. So that's because he scored one goal in 47 minutes. Um, Mario Balotelli has a goal every 91 and Aguero has a goal every 110. Uh, Balotelli scored three times in the Champions League. Uh, Aguero scored 39. So uh, Cole Palmer is the correct answer. Howard, you are playing for pride now. Um, what would you like, two or three? Sorry, two or four. 
kind of do the usual lies, say I've known both the answers for the questions. <laughs> you can. Uh, Whether we you believe two... you or not. <laughs> no, don't. Uh, it's two available, did you say? Uh, two is available. Which team have City beaten the most in the Champions League? Is it Borussia Mönchengladbach, Shakhtar Donetsk or Paris Saint-Germain? Many times we've beaten Shakhtar. See, we've not really played them that many times. It's just a bit of a trope, isn't it? Lucia, much of glad that. Oh, so, you know what? It'd be better just roll a die to choose where uh, I will go for. Sh- it's a trap, but I'll go for Shakhtar. You are absolutely right. Yay. It is a trap. It's oh. not Shakhtar. <laughs> Shakhtar, they've played four times. Uh, they've beaten four times. Paris Saint-Germain, they've beaten four times. Borussia Mönchengladbach, they've beaten five times. Wow. So they've, uh, they've played them uh, twice in the groups and uh, obviously they uh, they won two legs of a knockout tie. Dom, that can leaves I just say, you... Can I just say it's quite a skill to get every question wrong? <laughs> With multiple choice as well. You've uh, you've, you've really, uh, you've really uh, excelled yourself here today, Howard. Um, Dom, uh, can you make it three out of three? Which outfield player has featured in the most Champions League games for City without scoring a goal? Is it Alexander Zinchenko, Gael Clichy or Jesus Navas? Uh, That's a good question. Um, Zinchenko. It's not Zinchenko. He's played 23 times and never scored. Uh, Navas has played 31 times and never scored. (laughs) Clichy played 33 and never scored so yeah, uh, 2-0 yeah I knew that yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I, I picked the most wrong answer there as well so yeah yeah well done so uh, you know no, nobody comes out that looking good so there we go <laughs> well done you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast so now that the fun and games are out of the way uh, we can't put it off any longer it's City going to uh, Wembley next to face Liverpool um, Howard I hope you are ready for a mix and match FA Cup team uh, that uh, that Guardiola is going to put together because there's surely no way that uh, the walking wounded that came off the pitch on Wednesday night are going to be uh, in any shape to, uh, to, to to see out Liverpool are they? I mean it's just utter nonsense really that we're, both, we're playing on Saturday for starters Uh and we've both played on a Wednesday. Chelsea have played on a Tuesday, played on a Sunday. But different competitions don't talk to each other, do they? Uh, the last thing they considered was who was playing in the midweek. And Pep said, yeah, we're in big... I mean, you, Pep and his use of the English language, you never know just how serious he's being or he's being floral, but he said we're in big trouble for Saturday. So I, I had a bit of a debate on a WhatsApp thread last night that, Pep could not throw the tie, but this is our third priority, third level of priority now. And I do wonder if he, what he, how he will approach it. To be honest, yeah, because of the the game on Wednesday, which to me, I mean, Saturday's well, you know, it's Liverpool in the semi final, the FA Cup. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going. Oh well, what happens happens. But Brighton on Wednesday is, you know, if you're going to tell me which one do you really have to win, it's the Wednesday game. He could still put out a strong side, though. So that's the will he do it? I think of the players that you know didn't play. I mean, first of all, will Edison start? I've no idea. I would hope so, but he might go with Stefan again. But he can still put out strong side because you've got the likes of Ake. Maybe Diaz is ready to play. Ferner Ferner may may come in. You've got Grealish, Sterling, Jesus, and maybe yeah, like Gundogan. I don't know. Cancelo could play. He can put a strong side out, basically, and I, I hope he does because it's just dealing with the next 
game, but we don't know what's up with Kevin De Bruyne. But you'd think no chance he starts anyway. It's probably for the best. No chance Kyle Walker's going to suddenly recover. So, yeah, I don't, will he play any youth players as well? It's He's got a lot of decisions to make, not just about who to pick, but just what risks he takes. Because at the end of the day, he's got two big league games coming up afterwards as well. So Yeah, Dom, are you I, getting... I think all we can say is when the team sheet comes out at half two, Twitter's going to go into meltdown. Probably, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah, Dom, are you getting uh, Chelsea semi-final vibes from this one? Uh, just because it, it feels it feels almost like a game too far to put out a, a, a very very strong team, and it's going to be more, it feels like one of those teams where it's a team that on most days will be fine, but on the odd day might not be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, probably not to the extent of the Chelsea game, and maybe part of that is the squad this season's a little bit smaller, like. Um, so your city do operate with a with a very an elite pool, but a fairly small pool of players. So, and I think we we spoke we were speaking earlier about how how good in particular Nathan Ake was uh, on Wednesday night. I think part of what Guardiola does when he puts these squads together is getting everybody to this stage of the season in as good a form as possible. Last season was a little bit odd because you had your thing of your midweek team and your weekend team at one point, which they could do because they were so far ahead in the title race. Um, so I'd expect a few changes, and obviously the injury from midweek will inform that to an extent. But then you've got um, Jesus didn't play last night because he was suspended and he was great against Liverpool the weekend before. Sterling came off the bench. Guardiola says he always recovers fine. He's going to be almost certain to start. Grealish, as much as he's provided some very amusing moments against Atletico, he's not started any of the last three games. You'd expect he comes in. It's... Um, yeah, there'll be a little bit of a, a body count done, I'd imagine, on Friday. And I'd expect a a reasonable team. Um, Klopp has very much shown his hand by resting Alexander-Arnold, Van Dijk, Salah um, last night. You know, that Liverpool are probably going to go with what they had again at the weekend. But to flip that around, is that definitely a good idea for them when that was a team that got outplayed for long parts of the game. So, yeah, it's um, it's a tough one to call and there's definitely going to be, I think I agree with Howard, there will be a team sheet, a clock, chaos going on. So, and who doesn't like that? Yeah, when we see that it's uh, like Stephen Ireland, Joey Barton in the middle, Cur- Curly <laughs> Watts on the flank, you know, me and Howard up front, that sort of thing is, uh, yeah, going to send everybody into meltdown. Um, Howard, are you nervous for Saturday, given that you know the situation for City? You know that they are a little bit the walking wounded, that it is the big, it is, you know, a, a third big game, a fourth big game in a row. Um, that, you know, like it is the third rate competition out of the three that City are still in. Do you, do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, I've always, yeah, I should say, I've always had a soft spot for the FA Cup since I was, I don't know, five years old. So. Every year of my life, it's hurt when we've gone out of the FA Cup. Where there was, I didn't, you know, the Chelsea lineup and defeat hurt me. And even putting the well, t- two Chelsea ones. Was it Pellegrini that put the kids out against Chelsea? Yeah, still hurt me that you know, knowing we were going to lose, going into a match. Nervous? Well, I haven't got time to be nervous. <laughs> it's just like, as soon as that's gone, there's two league games and then there's a Champions League and then, oh my God, it's just like, I can't be nervous every second of every day. <laughs> uh, well, I can, apparently. The evidence suggests I can be, but there's so many big games that in a way, I'll be, you know, I think I can hold off the nerves until the day. And yeah, the nerves are kind of like, I just, a bit regretful in a way. A bit regretful that, 
we can't approach this match as a normal match, that it's been placed here. What happened in Atletico Madrid has changed things in a way. I thought Liverpool themselves would make huge wholesale changes. And then I saw the lineup, as Dom said, against Benfica. And it, it's changed, you know, it seems that Klopp's taking it more seriously than he's ever done before. So I, I'm a bit worried because of the team that goes out and of the walking wound, wound in nature. And, you know, two huge games over the last week. It's just how much have they got left in them? And then yeah. they won't have rest, rest after that before Brighton. So it's just very badly timed game in a way. It's a shame it could just just be, can we just pause football for a week and then both teams can go at it full throttle and then move on? Uh, my concern is just how it's landed, basically, because I just don't know how much City can put into this. But it might not be the biggest squad, but we do have big players who are still quite fresh because, you know, they did play the full 90 minutes in Madrid. So we can put out a good team. I hope we do. And as I say, if we do, we've no no reason to have an inferiority complex, even if they're playing their very, very first team. Yeah. Um, Dom, the other thing is as well, we'll convince ourselves that Brighton is a banana skin uh, in, in the midweek, but like City should win that, shouldn't they? I mean, I was going to say Brighton are on the beach, which they literally are, but um, <laughs> like, like they're, 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 they, they don't have that much to play for this season. They are safe and they're, they're probably not getting into Europe. So it, it's kind of a, so it is kind of a free hit for them and that's what we'll use to convince ourselves that, that, that it will be a tough game. But Brighton, are, Brighton play the sort of football that City like playing against, don't they? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, and Graham Potter is a guy that Guardiola praises lots and lots. And I think if we're going to be a little bit cynical, Guardiola does tend to reserve his most fulsome praise for managers who he likes but beats. Um, and also, he lost the City lost to Brighton at the end of last season, like that slightly weird dead rubber game where Cancelo got sent off. But um, yeah, when, when there's been an awful lot of pouring over runnings since the weekend, and I'd, I'd agree with Howard that. You can't really predict running games. It's they're all sort of their own little trips, aren't they? But cities after this sort of horrible run of Atletico Liverpool fixtures, City having back to back Brighton and Watford at home does, by any measurement, doesn't mean they won't uh, throw in a horror performance and it might might go wrong. But on paper, that does look like a very nice little ease back to normality and have one final push for the line. Um, Brighton did beat Arsenal at the weekend. They play really nice football. Um, but it it doesn't look like a dreadful fixture to have on the back of what has been probably a bit of a dreadful run of fixtures. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, Howard, because um, Brighton did play well against Arsenal. Um, there is There is a worry that they can just turn it on, isn't there? Yeah. Well, the, the stranger side in the division, in a way. In that, if they took chances a lot of the time, they'd be hanging around European places, sixth probably. But prior to Arsenal, they were in terrible one. I mean, it's just absolute rubbish. And then they've brought this result out and it's like, oh no, I'm worried about the game again now. <laughs> Maybe they're back in form now. And all those sides are absolutely brilliant. You know, really good until they get to the penalty area, but have been wasteful. You don't know what you're getting with them. But then... Arsenal were in a great one. Were, I watched them against Palace, were terrible, and were terrible against Brighton. So, look, I mean, oh, the thing about that Liverpool match is, I said, if City turn, go onto the pitch with that attitude in the rest of their league games, they win every single one of them. But, as we've already seen, the schedule's just card, it's brutal. 
and you don't know what they'll be like when they turn, you know, who will have available the fitness, the fatigue once they, once next Wednesday comes around. But if City go onto the pitch with the right attitude, they beat Brighton comfortably. Yeah, well, let's get some uh, predictions on the board. We're on £1,340 for the charity bet so far this season. William Hill has given each of us a £10 correct score single. The winnings are going to the Man City fans' food bank support, which is helping the Trussell Trust tackle food poverty in Manchester. Um, we'll start with that trip to uh, Wembley at the weekend. Howard, what's your score? Uh, one all, I've gone for. We are we are talking 90 minutes only, so one all yeah. after 90 minutes is uh, 11 to 2 and £55 if you're right. Dom? Seems silly not to go 2 2, doesn't it? Uh, it's, I don't know, maybe. Uh, 11 to 1 <laughs> and uh, £110 if you're right. Um, full disclosure, I wanted uh, one all. Didn't happen because Howard got there. Um, I can't see it being a goalless draw. I can't go for 3 3. Um, I just, I think City, I, I think it's just one game too far for City. So that's why, uh, with a heavy heart, I'm predicting a Liverpool 2 1 win, uh, 10 to 1 and £100 if I'm right. So at least there's a consolation there. Um, that brings us to Brighton. So, um, Dom, what are you having? Um, I'm going 2 0 City. 2 0 City is 5 to 1 and £50 if you're right. Howard? I originally wanted 2 0, so I've got 2 1 now this time instead. Nice nervy finish to that game with a two-one is uh, nine to one and ninety pounds if you're right. I've I've gone completely the way and gone. It's going to be quite comfortable. Four uh, nil. I've said uh, ten Ooh. to one and a hundred pounds if I am right. Uh, remember, you've got to be eighteen or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more on gambling responsibly, take a look at begambleaware.org. <laughs> We're going to finish with uh, just one listener question this week because uh, it is an interesting one. Gavin Wall on Twitter says, is it me or does it seem like Guardiola is having more fun this season? Um, This came in before uh, the Atletico uh, brawl at the end of the pitch and his press conference there. Um, But it it kind of illustrates something that I first noticed uh, that this might be the case. After after the Burnley game, he was in a really, really good mood. Uh, That was a game where we expected it to be tense. It ended up not being, and and I put Guardiola's mood down after that game to the the kind of relief of that happening. Um, He started the embargo by uh, making fun of one of my friends who was in the press conference with a little joke. Um, And then after all of that, um, this happened. You had uh, three English players in Foden, Grealish and uh, Sterling playing together. They haven't played together that much, but do you, do you like the way they sort of link up? I work I work in England. I have to do this kind of things for the UK. So. <laughs> <laughs> Before the selection, I said, OK, I'm working here. These players have to play. And then that same press conference, he was asked about the mood in the dressing room and if they felt the pressure. And then in amongst his... He gave a, a, a pretty good answer, but in amongst it all, uh, he said this. After six seasons, five seasons, winning, 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 mm. still we are there. And the last stage of the season, fighting for the titles. And that means we are a big club. With a lot of money, I know that. <laughs> but not just that and then after that still after the Burnley game uh, he was asked about John Stones coming back from England with an injury uh, and this happened with one of City's press officers he was not injured but something disturbing a lot to hit the ball and, and do it and took antibiotics his last days and having inflammation I don't know exactly the name in English in the groin no not England in the groin you are not a doctor Simon <laughs> And then, uh, like, still after Burnley, uh, this was one of the final questions. What was the mood of your players when they came back into the dressing room after winning today? Take a phone and look the phone Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that is what they've done today, the generation of the football players. I insist enjoy five minutes, <laughs> talk about five minutes, but they take the phone and, okay. I desist, I, I give up. So, <laughs> do whatever they want. 
tomorrow we start Atletico Madrid. As much as I have focus before the game, during the game, the rest, I don't care. And so all of that happened, and I put that down to you know he, like the relief of, uh, of of the tension after the Burnley game. Uh, but he was still on form ahead of the uh, the Atletico game. This is what happened there. Hi Pep, um, I think you just used the words overthink. Is it possible? Is that a challenge? You know, not to overthink. No, in Champions like League, always I overthink. Always create new new tactics, new ideas, and tomorrow we will see a new one. Yeah. So, so you're obviously being, in English we say wry or dry. You, you think that's an unfair criticism of you then that you can sometimes overthink in this competition? I overthink a lot. And is that fair? Absolutely. That's why I had very good results in Champions League. Tonight I take an inspiration and I'm going to do an incredible tactics tomorrow. So. We play with 12 tomorrow. Uh, His press conference was directly after Bernardo Silva's preview with that first leg. Uh, This exchange happened uh, after something that Bernardo had said. Bernardo was in before and he said that that you had a plan to win tomorrow. When you reach this stage of a competition and it's an intense game and you're playing against a quality opponent, how easy is it for a group of players to continually follow a plan instead of just having the whole game just turn into chaos and you just best team wins kind of thing? Well, it surprised me a lot because Bernardo said we have a plan, but still we didn't speak about the plan. <laughs> so, I don't know. And then the next pre-match press conference ahead of Sunday's game with Liverpool. Stick with me here. It keeps get, it keeps going. Uh, Guardiola was still in a jovial mood. Andy Hampson from PA was given the mic uh, to ask a question. He notoriously always asks about injuries and team news. Um, so Guardiola answered Andy before he'd asked the question. Everyone is fit. Uh, okay. <laughs> Including Ruben, is it? No, Ruben. No call for Palmer. <laughs> okay, thank you. And then after a discussion about City, the City-Liverpool rivalry, uh, Guardiola was asked this. Pep, on your, your relationship with, with Jürgen, you played, played him so many times, would, would, would he be the type of manager you'd have a glass of wine with after, after a game? Uh, would you speak to him... Away from away from the game. If we win, I would love it. Yeah, I will invite him. <laughs> I will invite him. Uh, yeah, I would love it. And then, like, he gives a really earnest answer about Klopp's qualities, uh, but he finishes it with this. Like he says many times, we are a rich club. The wine will be perfect. So high quality. And then after Sunday's game, Sam Lee opened the press conference uh, with this question. You played quite a lot like Liverpool today. More like Liverpool than than you ever have done yeah. before. Less short passes, more over the top. Yeah, I try to imitate the best teams yeah. so, and learn. Yeah. And then when James Ducker asked him uh, towards the end of the press conference if the two Liverpool games, the 2 2 all draws this season, uh, were two of the best that he'd ever managed as a spectacle, um, this was Guardiola's response. I have a long lease, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't necessarily mean the result. <laughs> to result. I just mean in the, now, both the were, quality. Now, both were nice. Yeah. So the chorus to go to Anfield, we played... Uh, well, we silenced Anfield 20 minutes. Never done this. We silenced 20 minutes the first half when we were there. In some booths, it was there. So never saw before. So this is the biggest compliment for me, I'm sorry. Now, this almost feels like an unprecedented run of jokes and quips from Guardiola, who appears to be almost horizontal by this stage. He's that laid back. Um, so is he more relaxed? Sam Lee asked him exactly that this week. Are you calmer now? You said you sleep like a baby these days. Yeah, you, with these, these kind of games, this type of the season, you're more laid back. Yeah, I love it. I'm more relaxed. It's like the week, ten days before the final Champions League and Chelsea. So I like because I feel we have done it. We have done it very well. We have done it good, and now it's time to enjoy it. I learned from my period in Barcelona. So I suffer more in October, November, December to the rhythm, you know, arrive. But now 
what sense is to be nervous or worry about the game. Come on, we're playing a top team, we can win or lose, and with our people, go for it. Give everything you have in, inside of you. Now, Dom, this last five minutes is is quite an easy way to say that he's been in a good mood lately. But like he's like this is this is this is really really bizarre. He is he is just piss, he's pissing around, isn't he? He's having he's having the time of his life. The Burnley stuff. It sounded like it um it popped for a couple in the Royal Dice before his press conference. <laughs> it was like gag a minute, wasn't it? Um, I think there's a broader point that he is. He is really happy. He's got his perfect working environment at City. It's been well documented. It's kind of a club and a setup that's been built for him. And he's enjoying that in terms of what he's getting to do with his football team. In terms of those press conference clips, I think there's a really simple answer to it. I mean, I noticed this having gone on a lot of the lockdown Zoom questions and he's trooping in every week to sort of talk to every all our bulbous heads on a laptop. I noticed his first one or two press conferences back when they had journalists back in the room uh, um, at the CFA. He just seems to be in a great mood. I think it was as simple as he's actually talking to people. You know, we've all, these last couple of years have been rubbish. Um, I think he, uh, genuinely, I think it was, it's been as simple as in press conferences. He likes having people sitting there in the room so he can mess about a bit. It's like, you know, I think, I think it's really a sort of nice and simple and human as that. Yeah, Howard, could you tell from the way that uh, the team has been playing in a weird way that that he's come back in the after the internationals in a in a kind of really good space? Yeah, Dom said. I think yeah, like all of us, I think he was just sick of Zoom calls by the end. So uh, I think yeah, it's. I think Sam used the the term. He's more relaxed nowadays. I mean, and. That leads to fun in a way. So the more relaxed he is, the more jokes he'll make. The less he's not less likely to scowl and get, you know, question some of the questions he's asked in press conferences. Just uh, it's just in a zen place right now. I think, despite the fact that you know the pressures that he must feel every day when you get to this this uh, part of the season, and that must rub off pretty well on the players as well, and bode well for those who are. Trying to, yeah, trying to work out if he's going to sign a new contract or not, and taking note of everything he does as you know as evidence. So, yeah, I've seen you know there's big times during his time at City where you can see he's he's a perfectionist. He gets stressed. He gets very intense. You can tell he starts starts scratching his head and he looks you know he, he worries like all of us. So. And it's just not seen much of that in recent times at all. So it's a, it's a joy to see. Because as I said, I think the way your manager acts just feeds through for, to the squad. And you're seeing that in the squad at the moment. That it's a very together squad. And that comes, much of that often comes from the manager. I was going to say, Dom, the um, I, this may be galaxy brain stuff. Um, and it may be me hitting 2 plus 2 equals 5 already. But uh, am I the only one sensing a contract extension here? Um. No, I, I think uh, I think that's a fair assumption to make. Not because he's suddenly turned to like you know Stan Borman after games, but um, yeah, as I said, I think he he likes working at City. He's got his perfect working environment with none of the stresses he got at Barcelona and at Bayern. Um, obviously, there's quite a lot of speculation about a very big name sign he might be coming in the summer, who he'd probably like to work with for longer than the season. I think yeah, it's. This is his squad that he's built and is evolving. You know, Fernandinho will be going. That then means there's only Sterling and De Bruyne who will be pre-Guardiola players. This is 
this is something he's built and I think it's changing and developing and getting better and it, I think it'd be strange if he didn't want to be a part of that. At the same time, he might just, if he wins everything at the end of the season, he might decide completing it, mate, and get off. But I, I think uh, I'm now at the stage where I'd be surprised if there wasn't a contract extension. Yeah, I'm in that place too, and that scares me. So uh, there we are. Uh, that's the end of this week's Blue Moon podcast. We're all off to call Stefan Savage some full letter words. But before we do, <laughs> I'd like to thank my guests for today's show, Howard Hocking. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. And Don Farrell. Cheers, lads. Uh, and thanks to you for listening as well. If you want some more, then this week's Patreon bonus episode is The Games That Made Me, and Will Unwin is picking his five matches that shaped his support of the club. Here's a quick clip. Throughout all of this, I've generally been, you know, kept a solid equilibrium with how awful City were at the time by laughing at our own players. And Robert Taylor was absolutely awful at football. <laughs> genuinely, genuinely not up to it. It was just in this period where we decided the best way to get out of you know, leagues or score more goals was to sign players that had scored against us once. Yeah. And he was one of those where we inexplicably paid more than a million pounds for him. And actually, again, and I'll use this word again, inexplicably sold him for a profit to Wolves. <laughs> but he was out of his depth at the top end of the championship. And I'm doing my research as we speak here. He scored five goals in 12 games for City. And then we sold him off to Wolves, scored none in nine in two years at Wolves. <laughs> and only actually ever scored two, one more goal, I think, as a professional. That's incredible. But before City, he'd scored 33 and 61 for Gillingham, 58 and 183 for Brentford, 20 and 73 for Leighton Orient. But then five in 12 for us, which actually isn't bad in hindsight, although my recollection is that he was terrible. Um, and yeah, Wolves. No goals. QPR, no goals. Return to Gillingham alone, no goals. Grimsby, one goal in four games. Permanently signed for Grimsby, no goals in one game. Scunthorpe, <laughs> no goals in eight games. Gaul, Gaulston, who, I'm going to be honest, must be awful. He scored one in three, and then he played for Distown. Supposedly played three games over four years and scored none. Brought in a lot earlier than I remember. Um, November '99 to August mm. 2000 was his uh, was his city career. So not even a year, but um, and he only managed twelve games. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, wasn't, he wasn't good, and he he didn't look like a like. And I, you know, we shouldn't say these things, but he didn't look like a footballer. He was very very bald at that stage and he was again must have been in his late 20s that was a clip of this week's patreon bonus podcast if you'd like to hear some more it's online now just head to patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast and support the show by two pounds per month you'll get the end of the week show without the ads and you'll get an exclusive extra episode every monday as well now i won't be back next week but never fear the podcast isn't going anywhere i'm leaving you in very safe hands it's dan burke who's taking the reins uh, he'll be reviewing the games with brighton and liverpool plus there'll be an interview with the former City defender Spencer Pryor. Catch that next week and I'll see you soon. That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.